It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. We're back. Yeah, ew. Man, some system problems last week. But voice, today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Fight TV. Hey, you want to watch the uh, fights that you can't watch on your regular television provider? Don't worry about it. We got an embedder right on the front page of BillyCBoxing.com. Just click on where it says Fight TV, pay-per-views or not. Just click that, and that'll bring you to the uh, player in which you can enjoy uh, all the fights, no matter where they are. And while you're at it, download the Billy C app. It's for free right there on BillyCBoxing.com. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I want to get everybody uh, up to date on my man Tom Molino. Find out why we're optioned for a movie. This is a must-read, and it's the holidays. So, uh, hey, it fits right in the stocking. Get yourself a copy today. What? 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 You want a personalized signed copy? Don't worry about it. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. If you want more than one copy, drop me an email, and I'll hook you up with a deal. Billy at Talkin' Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Coming up a little bit later, Dax Khan will join us, get his thoughts on the fights from this weekend. Uh, this week uh, is a short week due to the holiday. We will be here uh, today, tomorrow, and Thanksgiving Eve, which is Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we will be doing our Blast from the Past, which features, uh, as per request from one of you guys, Tony the Tiger Lopez. Alex Papali will be here uh, to uh, tell us all about Tony the Tiger Lopez. Uh, then we're off for Thanksgiving and the day after, but we're back the following Monday. And then, hey, it's the holiday season, so we'll keep you posted. Um, we got uh, some fights uh, that took place on the weekend, but today's main topic, you know, all these guys, Deontay, well, the two main guys, anyway, Deontay Wilder 
and Joseph Parker. They're talking a lot of smack, a lot of smack about uh, Deontay, uh, I'm sorry, about AJ, Anthony Joshua. Uh, both fighters, uh, uh, you know, uh, coming out and saying they were going to do this. Oh, they want to fight. Oh, oh, AJ's back in the way. He's, cha- he's scared. He's this, he's that. I got uh, all kinds of uh, uh, stuff to talk about after we give you uh, uh, the update on who won over the uh, last couple of days in terms of uh, the bigger fights. Uh, we'll give you our thoughts on that. Uh, but I, I, it just cracks me up about uh, these guys uh, talking smack about AJ. You know, the funny thing is, is you know, I, oh, he won't fight me. He won't fight me. He's afraid of me. AJ's not afraid of anybody. But remember one thing, boys and girls, children of all ages and ladies and gentlemen, the bottom line is AJ's the draw. AJ can fight a gas station guy. No, nothing wrong with gas station guys. He can fight... Uh, anybody in England and make uh, uh, 10, 20 million dollars. Uh, so, you know, he's in the driver's seat. He doesn't need anybody else. That's what these guys have to understand. Joining me right now from St. Simons is my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. Isn't AJ in the driver's seat? Well, he is in the driver's seat. I mean, the guy's a draw, he's very popular. And uh, I'll tell you what, anybody in the world. Uh, let alone these these three or two contenders uh, will be fortunate and should negotiate a deal right away to get uh, to get in his backyard, AJ's backyard, a good title fight and uh, you know a great payday. So I think it's a great incentive, and I could see why these fighters would like that uh, and want to fight him. And like I always said, Bill, you're really only viewed as good as your last fight. And AJ, although he had a great fight against Klitschko, he came back, he, he showed us some things, and he, he was tested a little bit, also was exposed some vulnerabilities in some fighters' minds or some camps' minds. So that's why they're all talking smack right now. Uh, but we will see if they ever do get in a ring what's going to be reality. So uh, And that's when they'll find out. What vulnerabilities would that be, Sal? Well, I think I think they're going to have to test his conditioning to go 12 rounds in a title fight uh, at a good pace. I think it's going to be something that uh, that the other opponent's going to look to go past a certain amount of rounds and, and you know keep up their good pace and, and see if they could tire him out. And also, if they can catch him, be lucky enough to catch him. I think uh, AJ uh, is a solid, fundamental, fundamentally sound fighter. I think he. He does a lot of the good basic things right, and you know it's it's a matter of uh, certain things that I think he has not been uh, experiencing in the ring thus far that he's going to have to see. And I'll tell you, out of all the guys, I'll tell you, Deontay Wilder, I believe, is the most dangerous opponent for AJ. How many times have he's how, how many times has Deontay gone twelve? No, he hasn't. So it's going to be a test. No, he went once. He's going to be a test of uh, of uh, heart, desire, conditioning. It's going to be. That's why I think these combatants will be a great fight. And Joe Parker, I, I, wherever they throw him in a mix, he's no slouch. I think he'll he'll do well. But I think AJ should handle him. Um, I, I I do see Deontay Wilder. If Deontay's on and he believes he's on, uh, I do see Deontay Wilder. I've said it all along. Could give AJ some difficulties. Deontay Wilder's never gone. He's only gone twelve rounds one time. Right. I don't think that, um, in my opinion, I don't think Anthony Joshua showed any kind of vulnerabilities against 
um, uh, Carlos to come, except no, for no. except for the fact that he wasn't proficient in fighting such a shorter guy, which he will not have to deal with against Deontay or Joseph Parker. I'm specifically talking about Parker and Wilder, both talking smack, saying that AJ will not fight them. Uh, that is a lie. Um, the truth of the matter is it's over the money. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but first, let's get you caught up with some of the fights that took place over the weekend. A former uh, Super Bantam and Featherweight World Champion Carl Frampton improved to 24-1 and with 14 knockouts when he won a 10-round unanimous decision over Horatio Garcia uh, over the weekend out of uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, Garcia drops to 33-4 and with a draw and uh, 24 knockouts. The way the judges scored it, 97-93, 98-93, and 96 93, uh, all in favor of uh, of Carl Frampton. Um, he uh, was coming back from the first loss of his career, Sal. I thought he did what he had to do. The question is, is how much more can he do? Well, I, I don't think he could do much more. I, I'll tell you, I think Carl Frampton, Frampton is a little limited. He does a good job of boxing. He's, he's, he's not a power puncher. Uh, he's a finesse fighter. He does well. He seemed to be in well in good condition, uh, and I think Horatio Garcia was probably the perfect uh, opponent for him. Um, I did have the fight a little closer. I had it ninety six ninety four. There was a uh, uh, debatable knockdown that did occur in the seventh, but I did score it a knockdown. It was a knockdown, and I think that Frampton showed. You know, he's still capable of boxing. Uh, I thought Garcia could have worked the body and and uh, uh, gone downstairs a little bit more to wear him down and slow him down, and, and I thought he was effective in the early rounds there too. But uh, it was a good fight. It was a good fight for Frampton to come back on, but I think he's going to be uh, surprised when he fights the next level up. Um, also on that card uh, in the uh, junior uh, bantamweight division, the uh, IBF uh, version uh, champions version, I guess, uh, junior bandweight IBF champion. Uh, Jerwin uh, Anasius improved to 28-1 and one with a draw when he stopped previously unbeaten Jamie Conlon via a sixth-round knockout. Uh, Conlon loses for the first time of his career. He drops to 19-1 and one with 11 knockouts. Uh, Anakai, uh, Anasius, <laughs> Jerwin, knocked... I went to uh, yeah, the Porky well, you go Pig. Again. I went to the Porky Pig uh, English class. Uh, uh, Anasias uh, was credited uh, with uh, dropping uh, Conlon uh, in the first round. Conlon took a knee, uh, but then again in the third round, a body shot knocked him down, and then uh, another knockdown uh, he sustained in the fourth round. Uh, the fight was stopped uh, when uh, Conlon hit the canvas again in the sixth. The official time of the stoppage was fifty-two seconds. Um, we will uh, see uh, what happens with uh, Conlon after that. And finally, on that card, uh, WBO Bantamweight champion Zolani Teat improved to 26-3 and three, uh, when he took care of uh, Sabazio Gagne in 11 seconds uh, to improve to 26-3 and three with 21 knockouts. Gagne drops to 11-2. and two. This was the quickest world title fight knockout in, uh, in the history of boxing. So congratulations to Zolani on that. Um, some other fights to talk about real quickly. In the heavyweight division, Tomas Adamak. Yeah, that same Adamak guy. Uh, he improved to 52-5 uh, and five 
when he uh, beat uh, Fred Cassie. I don't know why they call him Big Fred Cassie, Sal, because he's not that big. <laughs> he's really could be a uh, he could be a cruiserweight, really. But uh, uh, beat him uh, uh, over uh, ten rounds: ninety-seven, ninety-three, ninety-six, ninety-four, twice. Uh, Adamak, uh, he's seen better days. I, I don't know. You know, he struggled a bit with Cassie. Uh, I don't know what he's trying to uh, do. He is a draw. This fight did take place in Poland. Uh, so uh, there you have it. Uh, also on Saturday night, J-Rock. Julian J-Rock Williams improved to 24-1 and with a draw when he scored a 10-round unanimous decision over a former champ and arguably the most boring fighter in the history of the sport to watch, except for Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> Ishii Smith who drops to 29-9, and 99-91, all for J-Rock. Also on that card, light heavyweight uh, Lionel Thompson improved to 19-4 and when he won a 10-round decision over Earl Newman, who drops uh, the first fight of his career. He drops to 10-1-1, 97-91 twice, 96-92. I had the uh, luxury of calling Lionel uh, uh, Thompson's uh, fights, a couple of them early in his career. Uh, up in the Buffalo area. Uh, and also, uh, Tug Scott uh, Nabayer improved to 9-0 and with eight knockouts uh, despite hitting the canvas in the second round uh, to win a uh, unanimous decision over Hermanto De La Torre, who uh, was undefeated uh, at 19-0 and going into this fight. Uh, Eight-round unanimous decision. The scores were uh, 90, uh, I'm sorry, 79-73, 78-73 twice, uh, all for uh, Nyambayer. Uh, who uh, competed and won a, a silver uh, gold medal in the uh, 2012 Olympics. And on Friday night, Sal, Friday. a guy that it's hard to watch any of him or his brother's fights, they always bring some, uh, I don't know, I don't know what I want. Drama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choice. Drama. Drama. I'm, glad, I'm glad you picked that word before I came up with something I might have regretted. But uh, former uh, super middleweight for, champ uh, Anthony Durrell improved to 31 and, and 1 with a draw uh, when he won a uh, six-round technical decision over Dennis Duglin, uh, who drops to 20 and 6. Uh, the way the judges scored it at the time of the unintentional headbutt uh, that uh, caused uh, uh, Durrell not to be able to continue. Um, you know, uh, 49, 46, 48, 74, twice. Uh, there was an unintentional headbutt. Um, Doolin was uh, deducted a point. I, to tell you the truth, I, you know, and we should ask uh, Mike, the cut man, who was in the corner for uh, yeah. Dennis Doolin, um, it, it, what he thought, because to tell you the truth, it always seems that the Durrell brothers, something happens when they are in some kind of trouble. And Doolin, not that he's a world beater, because he's not. I thought he was giving uh, uh, Durrell all he could handle. Did you get a chance to see that fight, Sal? No, I did not, Bill. We had the we had the big classic golf PGA Tour this week, and we got killed. All right. Well, uh, in my opinion, uh, I don't know if uh, if if Durrell actually won that fight, at least after six I'm rounds. I'm going to look at it later. But, uh, anyway, also on that card, Jamonte Clark improved the 13-0 with seven knockouts when he won an eight-round majority decision over Dominique Dalton, who drops to 19-2-1. and uh, 76-76 was the way one judge had it, and the other two had it in Clark's favor, 78-74, 77-75. And Ryan Carl improved to 15-1. 
uh, when he won an eight-round decision over Kareem Martin, who drops uh, the second fight in his career. He's now 9-2-1, 78-74 twice, 77-75 uh, was the way the judges scored that one. And a cruiserweight to keep your eye on, Alexei Zubov improved to 16-1 and with nine knockouts when he won a split decision over Robbie Sims. Uh, that's what uh, took place over the weekend uh, in, uh, uh, in, in, in boxing. Some of the bigger fights, anyway, I should say. Uh, but uh, what's got my goat today, Sal, is all of this rhetoric that's coming out about uh, fighters not wanting... Uh, or, or uh, should I say, the heavyweight division rhetoric, rhetoric where uh, two main fighters in Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker are claiming that AJ wants no part of them. Uh, Parker went as far as saying that he would knock out not only AJ, but Wilder too if he got a chance. You know, I, I, this is how fighters try to get fights, Sal. Well, it they is. Use the, they use the promotion. They're trying to get the attention of like little kids trying to, trying to get the attention of their parents. And, and uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame, but it could be effective on some level. And uh, here we are talking about it. And, you know, I, I think these two contenders – and champions, because we got uh, definitely uh, champion in, in Deontay Wilder, uh, do need to fight AJ, uh, should fight AJ. I mean, when there is a little bit of doubt who is the greatest, that's why you have title fights. So let's see. Let's see these fights being made. Well, what I was trying to finish saying was the fact Sorry. that these guys use the media and, and what they say most of the time is pointless. The truth of the matter is, is that both of these guys, and I say these guys, referring to Deontay Wilder and Joseph Parker, are outpricing themselves. They all know, just like I said earlier, that the guy, the main guy in the heavyweight division right now is Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, you know, when, when Floyd Mayweather was, uh, was picking fighters and he was making all this money, and we were critical. Let me rephrase that. When I was critical of, of that, people would say to me, well, Bill, you know, can you blame Floyd for fighting the, the, the guys that uh, are willing to take the offers and him still making buku dollars? You know, is it really his fault that, that this is the case and other fighters that may be a better fight don't accept the money that's offered. And the truth of the matter is, is no. It's not the fighter's fault. Kudos to a guy like Floyd who was able to make $100 million uh, fighting a Conor McGregor who's never fight, fought uh, <laughs> a, 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 in a boxing ring in his life. And kudos to Floyd Mayweather who was able to get his 50th win against a pro debut fighter. Kudos to Floyd. And I say the same thing for... Uh, uh, for uh, um, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua can make twenty million at least, twenty million dollars at least for fighting Carlos to come in England. Why would he offer anything outrageous? Joseph Parker, uh, I, listen, I have some quotes from Parker. I have some money things from from Parker. I have some quotes from Deontay Wilder. He was on Sports uh, ESPN Sportsnet the other day, or I should say. Um, I think it was uh, first uh, first take maybe he was on or definitely on Sports Center. I forget which uh, which exact show, but on Friday he was on uh, talking uh, some smack. I'll get to all of that here in one second because until then 
I gotta take a break. I'll be back in Billy two. Z will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, I want to talk about the heavyweight division. Joining me right now is uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Hey, Sal. Do you ever yes. see what a full cord of wood looks like? Full cord? Yeah, full cord. Like, like. Yeah, I think I think I have. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of wood. It is a lot of wood. You know, it's I I, uh, I I freaking uh, I'm trying this this thing. But anyway, what's the matter? I, Go I, ahead. I'll you tell got you what's the matter. I'll tell you what's the matter. I am so sore today. I, you know, and I and I work. Sore. You know, I'm used to working, right? Um, you know, pretty hard, I, I guess. But man, you I are. ordered this cord of wood, and I, my misconception. I think a cord physically dimensions four by four by eight, right? Four four feet wide by four feet tall by um, a pile uh, stacked uh, eight feet long, and um, you know, so I ordered this cord of wood because I'm trying this experiment with uh with with my house i have these fireplaces in my house but they don't really heat the place you know they suck all the heat up you know so i'm i, do. I, I ordered the these i ordered these wood stoves that actually not a full-blown insert there's a little smaller uh but i have this plan i'm gonna set it inside the stove inside the fireplace and only some of it will be sticking out and i have this great idea right so anyway in the meantime <laughs> I order a cord of wood to be delivered, right? So the guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy pulls in my driveway, right? And I go, hey, could you dump it right over there in the grass? He says, sure, sure. You know, he's a, a good old boy from uh, from uh, upstate New York. And uh, he dumps this pile of wood. I give him the money. He drives away, and I'm looking at the wood, and I go, <laughs> like, holy, you know what? That's a lot of wood right there, you know? And I, and I, and I start putting it in a wheelbarrow, and, and my other lame brain idea was – you know, to store it at the other, because I didn't want, people tell me, oh, you don't want to put wood near the house. You might attract uh, bugs and stuff. I certainly don't want <laughs> bugs in the house. So I, so I just put it in, uh, put it, you know, about 50, 75 feet away from the house, you know, and so I start wheeling it from where he dumped it down around my lawn all the way into the back. Five hours it took me to move this and restack it and cover Five it. And do all hours? Five hours by myself. Five I was hours. like, oh, my God. What am I going to do with all this? I, I mean, am I even going to burn it all? You know, I, I mean, God. But uh, anyway, my hands, my elbow, I have something going on with my elbow, and that didn't help. Uh, but, man, uh, I wish I had a couple of fighters come over that were in training. You should have let me know. I could have sent my team of woodchucks because yeah. they could have found out how many, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck. I tell you what, I needed a few woodchucks here to chuck <laughs> a lot of wood. But uh, I, I'm thinking maybe, I don't know. You know, I ended up with... With uh, you know three huge piles that stacked, covered, and I'm going, man. Maybe you gave me extra. I don't know. But anyway, let's talk boxing. Uh, Joseph <laughs> Parker uh, claimed that he would not only knock out uh, AJ, but he sprinkled in that he would knock out Deontay Wilder too. Uh, he had some quotes last week. He said, "I don't even think 
uh, I've ever gotten the respect of being a world champion, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I feel as a world champion, I've achieved something incredible uh, in our country. He's uh, referring to the land down under. Uh, He says, and I'm very happy with what I have achieved, but I don't think I get any respect. He says, now that I have the WBO belt, I want the WBC and I want the IBF and I want a WBA. Uh, AJ is a fighter who's a champion of the world. My goal is to unify the titles. My goal is to grab his belts and to say I'm the real uh, world champion. I don't think I'd have any problems knocking either Joshua or Wilder out. What's your thoughts on that comment, Sal? Well, like I said, Bill, what these guys are using is the media as the vehicle, and they're touting their horn because they want big fights, and they know the only way they're going to get a big payday and big fights and notoriety is to use the media, and I give them credit if they want to call each other out, but they got to be able to sit down and negotiate what the real reality is of what their cut would be if they're going to fight a, a Joshua. And I hope uh, I hope they could do that soon, Bill. I think you know these guys will do what they got to do. They're going to talk. They're going to ramble. They're going to they're going to go on. They want the media to cover and to carry their their uh, their stance and their language. And um, you know, like I said, the reality will be when they sit down and negotiate who's going to come up short and who's not going to sign that contract. Well, the uh, the teams, uh, the Parker teams and the AJ teams are in or were in uh, negotiations, official negotiations, uh, to bring that fight early um, 2018, which would be uh, uh, a major uh, unification. Uh, The winner of that fight would uh, end up with all the titles except uh, for uh, Deontay Wilder's WBC. However, um, the Joseph Parker camp uh, has uh, officially rejected uh, what they called the most insulting offer in the history of boxing. Uh, oh, apparently, wow. uh, Team uh, AJ uh, made an offer to uh, Joseph Parker, and uh, his uh, uh, his team, uh, um, which uh, his I'll, I'll just say his promoter David Higgins. Uh, I'm talking about Joseph Parker's promoter. Uh, said he, meaning Eddie Hearn. Uh, made the most ridiculously low offer. It could have been the most insulting offer in boxing history. To expect 40% is reasonable because you've earned it, and it's a unification. Of course, I've mentioned it to Joseph Parker, and he just laughed like I did. He's talking about uh, the offer. Uh, He says, I'm not going to reply to this offer because I don't think it was actually Eddie Hearn. I think someone hacked his account. I think it was a scam. I reckon Eddie uh, Hearn respects boxing, and I and I also uh, reckon Anthony Joshua wouldn't want to insult Joseph Parker. He said uh, that uh, Parker would happy would be happy to wait and fight Deontay uh, after uh, Joshua and Deontay faced off. He says if they want to go to fight Wilder, fine, go ahead. We'll fight Wilder on a 50-50 basis later in that year, once he has all three belts, uh, will come to England to fight AJ. But 40% is the bottom line, and I can give my word that I will not accept 1% less. He's looking to get 40% of a total purse uh, for uh, uh, to fight AJ. 
What's your thoughts on that, Sal? Forty percent. Now, you know, the only the only asterisk you got to put there is forty percent of what? Forty percent of what? I yeah. mean, do you want for for the the gate, the the uh, all the pay per views, all the uh, you know, what is it going to be forty percent of? And that's correct. And you know, I'm I'm I would think that forty percent would be fair, but I mean. Uh, do you know what the offer was that they were so insulted by? No, I do not. That's, and I would and, like to, because if it was anything, I, hey, thirty percent might be more money than he's ever made in his life. Thirty percent of what? See, this is my forty percent. I, I think I, I think the way I'm reading this is, you know, like a uh, revenue split, a revenue share, yeah, uh, x amount versus x amount. But but that that's kind of you know, that's like Mayweather, uh, Mayweather Pacquiao-esque. You know, when you have two huge names in the sport that are, uh, you know, uh, going up to pay-per-view, uh, they're, they're, they're counting every nickel that's generated, and they could say, okay, at the end of the day, you know, we gross X amount of money after all of our expenses, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we do this kind of a split. Um, right. That would not happen, I don't think, with AJ and Joseph Parker, I have a feeling that the uh, you know the fight would have to take place in England, and uh, Eddie Hearn would say, "Okay, this is what we're going to offer you to fight X amount of money, take it or leave it. Everything else is you know going to be split with uh, you know Team AJ or whatever the other expenses are." So uh, I, you know, it's similar to Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder. Uh, turning down seven million plus U.S. TV rights uh, from multiple reports, which is a lot of money considering Deontay Wilder never made two million. I don't know what Joseph Parker has made. I really don't. Uh, but when you look at Joseph Parker and uh, Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, I mean, let's face it: no disrespect to any of the fighters, but Joseph Parker has to be the weakest link of the three. And then if you sprinkle in the other two big names uh, in the sport. Uh, which we'll get to a little bit later, Luis Ortiz and, uh, uh, and of course, Alexander Povetkin. Uh, you know, these two guys, I, you know, uh, the question is, could they beat Joseph Parker? Who has Joseph Parker beaten? Who's he even fought? How did he even get to fight for a world title? You know, so I don't know, man. I don't Good know. I, I, I do believe that the offer uh, to fight AJ in England uh, should net a, a major opponent with a major belt, which equals AJ, uh, AJ versus Deontay or AJ versus Joseph Parker. I believe that both of these guys should make uh, somewhere between five and ten million total, Sal. I, I honestly believe that. And if Deontay Wilder can make seven plus U.S. television rights, that should get him around ten. And uh, Joseph Parker, I don't even know. At least Deontay's a draw here in the States to a degree. Um, yes. but I don't know. What do you think? I think you're hitting it on the head and you know, what kind of, uh, uh, confusing me or befuddling me here with this. Why come out to the media and say it was an insult? What do you do when you have an offer presented to you? You counter an offer, you negotiate, you don't just walk up to the, Oh, that's an assault. I don't care. I'm not going to do this. No. If they offered him 20%, 30%, you say, Hey, We'll take 40. And then they come back and said, nah, we're going to do 25 or 30. I mean, you don't get up from the table. You don't make it known unless the deal is off and it's, it's done. And, 
oh, well, it was insulting because we finished here. No, you counteroffer. You negotiate. You massage it a little bit. And, uh, you know, and you come up with a figure that's fair for both. Nobody's going to be truly happy on either side. So you try to see what is the best negotiated deal between the two parties. The bottom line. The bottom line is Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua is the much more lucrative fight. Absolutely. And, and Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is deserving of a bigger uh, piece of the pie than Joseph Parker. I'm sorry, but jo- Joseph Parker doesn't bring – Deontay Wilder uh, – nobody's been more critical of Deontay Wilder than myself. Um, but Deontay Wilder uh, has knockout punch. Uh, there's no question about that. He's got the pop. He's got the power. He goes in and tries to finish his fights uh, quickly. Uh, he's got it on his resume. The only guy not to be stopped by Deontay Wilder was was Berman Stavern, um in their first fight. It was the only time that, that Deontay has gone the distance. The only time uh, in his whole career out of 39 fights. You know, So that is worth something. Joseph Parker can't say that. Joseph Parker can't, can't even... <laughs> Doesn't even have a name like Stavern on his resume, no. and Stavern is nothing. Listen, don't get me wrong. No, Stavern no, is a we bum. know that. We all know that Stavern is a bum, a gutless bum. You know, uh, and, and Deontay Wilder has nobody on his resume like uh, AJ, but still, he brings a level of interest that Parker does not. Uh, but with all that said, I don't know what the offer was, uh, and forty percent of what? Uh, you know what they always say: forty percent of nothing. Is nothing, Sal. But uh, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, I got a quote from Deontay Wilder. How about that? Billy C. will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show programming note. We will not be doing shows on Thanksgiving or Friday. So we got shows today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and be back on Monday. We want to apologize uh, for the uh, technical difficulties we faced last week. Uh, man, what a nightmare it was uh, rebuilding uh, everything that uh, uh, took off. Uh, it was not fun, Sal. It really wasn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know you had to endure a lot, and you uh, you make it all happen, Bill. You are the engineer. Hey, uh, by the way, did you get my email about uh, January? You know what? I did see that. I didn't open it, though. I yeah. uh, I will open it. I was watching fights this morning. Yeah, you should open it because uh, it's important. <laughs> but uh, anyway. I'm going to open it. Yeah, I'm going to open it. Hey, uh, next break I'll open it. Oh, sure. No, you don't have to open it next break, but we'll talk after the show. But anyway, okay. um, Deontay Wilder had a quote, too, concerning Anthony Joshua. Uh, he was on uh, ESPN Sport Nation uh, on, uh, on Friday, I believe, uh, either Thursday or Friday. He says, uh, look into the camera. Uh, right at AJ says, Joshua, let's make this fight happen, man. I'm ready. I don't know about you. Y'all had it easy. It's been breezy for you. You're ready to fight low opposition and get paid millions of dollars, and you don't want that gravy train to end, but I'm the man that's going to end your career. Oh, um, wow. 
Whoa, uh, listen, me. listen. Here's the thing, Sal. Um, <laughs> there's no question that Deontay Wilder uh, is the man that we want to see AJ fight. There's no question. And I also believe that Deontay Wilder should be the guy that makes somewhere between 7 and $10 million to fight AJ in England. I agree with that. I agree, I agree. with Deontay. I don't think they should hold out for any more than that. And I think that team uh, AJ should pay him that. Now, whether they're thinking, hey, listen, why pay him that now? We'll be able to pay him that in the next fight. Let's fight this guy first. But to suggest that AJ has fought easy opposition and insinuating that you, meaning Deontay, has not, what the hell is wrong? I mean, how can Deontay Wilder, with a clear conscience, look at his own resume, despite what people are whispering in his ear, and look <laughs> at those guys and realize where they stand in the heavyweight division and actually with a straight face and, and, and you know, legitimately believing that he's fought the tougher opposition? Tell me, Sal, how can he do that? Well, again, you said a key word. I mean... Believing, and that's what he truly believes. He believes he's fought the best. He believes he is the best, and you know that believability uh, is going to fuel him. It's going to fuel him in his comments. It's going to fuel him to get in the ring with AJ. And uh, I can't uh, say that. Hey, like I said, these guys are marketing themselves and are trying to do what they can do to get in the ring. And I applaud them for that because that's the fight I want to see. Uh, definitely AJ and Deontay Wilder. That's what we, that's what I hope to see, but that's what it comes from. Bill, these guys are just trying to use the media, trying to get the attention, trying to, you know, say that, Hey, we'll do this, but let's, let's, let's show you what I could do. I want to beat the world. And you know, how are you going to do that? Well, we're going to let the media help bring the fight to fruition. That's it. Well, is the consumer that stupid that they, that they buy into that? I I mean, I mean, let's be real. We, 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 we're not allowed to fault a guy like Floyd Mayweather for right. taking the easier fight for the most money, right? We're not allowed to fault him because at the end of the day, you know, he, he's, he's, he's doing what's best for him. Why are people faltering, uh, faulting uh, AJ to do the same? I, I don't understand. Well, I, I don't know if they're faulting AJ to do the same. I think that, they're, you know, they've been right in AJ's corner, no pun intended. I mean, to support him on, on whoever he fights. And uh, and he's done very well, and he's had some good opponents. He's had some good rate opposition. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, the only opposition I'd like to see him in a ring with his next fight out will be Deontay Wilder. I think he's the most deserving. I think he's the most competitive. And I think he's the most worthy opponent that AJ could face in his career. Well, you know, just, Klitschko was one, but, you know. There are people faltering, faulting uh, AJ and, and, you know, following the Kool-Aid and the BS oh, yeah. and the smokescreen that Deontay Wilder spews uh, that uh, AJ's ducking him. Um, that is so far, and and the same goes for Joseph Parker. AJ's not ducking them; they are just not accepting an offer um, for the fight to be held. Now, remember, this is an offer by Anthony Joshua's promoter to make the fight happen. If right. if uh, if Joseph Parker or Deontay Wilder's own promoters would ante up and make an offer to AJ. And it was reasonable, and it was around the same numbers that AJ can make on his own. Why wouldn't he take it? I don't see anybody else opening up the checkbook, Sal. No, and that's the whole thing. And like I said, 
Bill, there's a lot of negotiating to do, and uh, that's why before they say anything they want to say as far as uh, insult remarks from what offers are made, you sit down, you massage it out, you you have negotiations, you see what's going to be fair for both people. You know, my old Jersey attorney used to say, "Sal, a great uh, uh, decision or or a fair deal, fair deal." is when both sides don't really feel like they've won, but they also don't feel like they quite lost either. So, you know. We got some uh, emails to read. Uh, First, we'll get you caught up on some uh, sports scores. Uh, In the NFL, the Lions beat the Bears 27-24. The Jaguars over the Browns 19-7. The Ravens shut out the Packers 23-0. The Buccaneers beat the Dolphins in a battle of Florida 30-20. The Vikings, this game surprised me. Vikings beat the Rams 24-7 showing that the Vikings are for real, but the Rams are too. Uh, The Saints and the Redskins in a shootout went to overtime. Saints prevail 34-31. The Giants got their second win of the game. Yeah. The Giants' defense looked really good, uh, but neither team could do much uh, in terms of uh, uh, getting in the end zone. The Giants did score one touchdown, uh, but failed to get the extra point. Ended up uh, going into overtime and beating the Chiefs 12-9. to The Texans over the Cardinals 31-21. The Chargers spanked the Bills 54-24. to And this was the Bills who are still alive and well or were alive and well for the, pay, uh, for the playoffs uh, decide because uh, Taylor, uh, Tyrod Taylor had uh, two back-to-back uh, not-so-great games. And they bench him and they put a rookie in. And this is the end result. The stupid Jets, who have no shot at the playoffs, are refusing to put their young quarterbacks in, and they're uh, you know uh, deciding to sink with the the bum we have as a quarterback, despite his numbers. But uh, Bills, what a what a stupid move there, losing to the Chargers, fifty four twenty four. The Bengals wow. topped the Broncos, twenty to seventeen. The Patriots slapped the crap out of the Raiders, thirty three to eight. And the Eagles showed me. Well, they're the best team in the NFL, beating up the Cowboys 37-9 in the late wow. game. Um, in the NBA, the Raptors beat the Wizards 100-91. to The Pacers beat the Heat 120-95. to The Warriors beat my Nets 118-111. The Pistons over the Timberwolves 100-97. The Suns over the Bulls 113-105. The Lakers beat up on the Nuggets 127-109. Over in the NHL, the Hurricanes beat my Islanders 4-2. The Avalanche beat the Red Wings 4-3 in overtime. The Rangers shut out the Senators 3-zip. The Vegas Golden Knights beat the Kings 4-2. And the Ducks beat the Panthers 3-2. That's what took place uh, in uh, other sports action last night. Got some emails. First one is from Willie, who's in the chat room right now. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., what a great weekend of boxing we had. Carl Frampton gets a win over Horatio Garcia. Uh, Patty Burns stops uh, Alessia Quisada in a great fight for the Irishman. And sadly, Jamie Conlon takes a beating from uh, and loses to Jerwin uh, Anasias. Uh, all in all, not a bad Saturday night for the Irish fans in Ireland. Uh, Frank Warren is putting on some pretty good shows for us lately when some of uh, the young up-and-coming stars in the making on his books. The future's looking pretty awesome. One particular fight I'm looking forward to in the future, uh, if it happens, is Nathan Gorman versus uh, Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois is the, the guy that we talk about, that heavyweight. Uh, he says, uh, I'm not sure, but Triple D uh, quite uh, is ready for that fight yet, maybe in a couple more fights, but it should be a good one. I think of it like a poor man's Joshua versus Fury. 
I mean, Gorman is a gypsy, is of gypsy descent, and Dubois is black. Am I allowed to say that? Black? Yes, you are. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Uh, he says, uh, where do you see uh, Conlon going from here, Billy? And is Frampton any better or any worse after splitting with uh, McGuigan? Personally, I don't think Frampton will get another belt. He's 30 years old now. Age matters a bit more in the lighter divisions than it does for the heavyweights. At least that's what I've heard. Is that correct? Um, I think it is. I, I, you know, but it all depends. I mean, today we have, uh, uh, today we have, you know, nutrition and and exercise that uh, keeps us uh, going a little longer. Um, as far as uh, Carl Frampton, I, I'm sorry. As far as uh, Gorman against uh, Triple D, um, hey, we'll see. You know, I, I hope they don't rush Dubois. Uh, he seems to be uh, a, a good heavyweight uh, on the way up. Something for us to look forward to after uh, the AJ and uh, Deontay Wilder uh, careers are uh, uh, on the downswing. Um, uh, he says, uh, let's see, Conlon, where does Conlon go from here? It was a loss, right, Sal? I mean, it was one <laughs> loss. I mean, yeah, he took a beating, but this is what I always say. This is what happens when you don't progressively increase your level of opposition. What do you think? Well, you're right. I mean, that's what happens. You... You know, it's hard to get on a job training when you you go from zero to, to 100. And that's exactly the analogy because this guy, you know, he stepped up and uh, he wasn't ready, wasn't prepared to, to handle what he had in front of him. And that's with the slow progression of how you learn, how you develop as a fighter needs to be enforced on some of these guys that are our true contenders that do have a shot to be great or do have a shot for a world title. Um, his last uh, comment, he says, I see that Tyson Fury's calling out David Plummerboy Price. I don't think that's calling out someone who's likely going to go down in the first round is such a good idea, do you? I mean, I'd have thought that Tyson would have wanted to get some quality rounds under his belt and shake off the ring rust so he could be ready for the big fight with either Joshua or Wilder. Uh, ah, well, maybe uh, you and Sal can give us your thoughts on that one. Um, uh, thanks for the email, Willie. Um Listen, David Price has proven to be uh, just an opponent. And Tyson Fury, should he get his act together and get licensed and be able to fight next year, he's got to start off somewhere, Sal. I mean, he can't step in the ring after two years outside the ring being 500 pounds and jump in the <laughs> ring with an AJ or a Deontay Wilder. I mean, it doesn't make financial sense um, for him to just go in for one fight and then and then go out. I would think David Price is a good opponent for Tyson Fury because David Price is still a uh, an English fighter and he could still make some money, meaning uh, Fury could make some money for a tune-up fight. What's your thoughts? I think you're 100% correct, Bill. That's what happens. You know, this guy's been out for a while. He's a loose cannon. We don't know what his mental state is. Uh, I'm talking about Tyson Fury. And you know what? You know, you don't want to roll the dice on a world title fight that the whole world is going to be looking at and watching. We got to see what is left in this guy's arsenal. We got to see how serious he is. We got to see if he can be tested against a little lesser opponent than a world title or a world champion. So I think it's completely fair. I think it's completely doable. And uh, I think he should stop. Stop whining and start winning. That's what he should do. Who? Tyson Fury. Yeah, well, he, he needs to fight. He needs to fight. He needs to fight. Get off the couch, man. Go out there and, and, and challenge anybody. Well, not anybody, but but get back in the ring. The funny and don't thing, think you deserve it. you're deserving of a world title fight, your first fight back. Let's see what you can do. The funny thing is, is he wants to fight everybody. I just don't think he's ready. Here's the next email. This one's from uh, your buddy, 
uh, Mike Rella. He says, uh, right. hey, Billy C. and Sal, just wanted to check in and say hello. Hope you enjoyed the Jacobs fight. I thought Danny won every round and left the ring uh, unscathed. He didn't have a cut or even a bruise. Uh, look for him to be more impressive when he fights uh, this spring on HBO. He says, I hope you saw me on uh, Friday. I was working the corner of Dennis, uh, Mama's Boy Doolin, uh, when he uh, fought Anthony Durrell. Uh, keep up the good work. Uh, love your show as usual. Um, yeah, we, we did see Thanks, him, buddy. and uh, um, Daniel Jacobs did dominate. I, I, I My only negative uh, thing about Danny Jacobs' last fight, Sal, was I thought that he should have made a, a, a statement. But, you know, the way uh, uh, Cup Manrella says – you know, he did dominate every round. He won every single round. Um, I just thought that he could have knocked him out, and he probably should have, but he didn't. What do you think? Well, no, and I called that fight. I thought he did a great job. I thought he he deserved, He was deserving of, of credit there. Uh, he fought the fight. He was very dominant. Uh, he was in one against no real slouch. And uh, you know what? I, I thought Danny Jacobs did what he had to do when he had to do it. And he was very dominant, as I said, but he knew he could box. He could punch. He did it all. I, I'm, I'm a Danny Jacobs fan. He did a great job. Yeah, there's no question. And, and like I always said, Bill, we don't know some of the after effects. And this is what's so important. After you come out of a fight with Triple G, there are some fighters that are never the same. So I give Danny, Danny Jacobs credit and kudos because guess what? This guy's right on par. He's right back in the, in the mix. And he uh, had no signs for less of wary. He's, he's ready to go. Yeah, no, uh, we'll see. We'll see where, where we'll he see. does. But uh, another uh, email. Uh, this one's uh, actually this is from uh, uh, someone we've never heard of. He wants to, uh, the, the subject is uh, Wilder's Power. It's from uh, my man Jonathan. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., I really enjoy listening to your show. Uh, I think uh, you balance genuine insider knowledge with the enthusiasm of a genuine fan. A shout-out to my man, Sal. I am slightly confused as to why Wilder's power is seen as otherworldly. Wilder has struggled to put away fighters that others have beaten more easily. Ator Spitzka was taken out in four by Adam Konaki. Wilder took nine to get to him, and he looked gassed by the time he was stopped. Johan Duopoz was taken out by Povetkin and viciously knocked out by Povetkin, I might add, in six rounds. Wilder couldn't put him on the deck, and the fight was stopped in the 11th. Eric Molina was totally destroyed by Anthony Joshua in three and went into survival mode as soon as he felt Joshua's punches. It took Wilder nine to stop Molina. Joshua and Sprout both knocked out Jason Gavard in three rounds while he retired on a stool uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in foot against Wilder. I don't understand that. Uh, maybe you have a typo. He says, uh, if you put Wilder's opposition in with any decent puncher, they will get knocked out probably faster than he does. Please, Billy C., can you give your and Sal's thoughts on why, uh, so many pundits are sold on Wilder's power? Uh, thank you, John in the UK. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time to email us. Um, you know, I question it too myself, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, there's no question that the level of opposition that uh, a, that uh, Deontay Wilder has faced has been conducive to him to make a to you know look good doing the knockout. And his only two fights that he employed the jab, which he clearly has a good one when he uses it, was the Berman Stavern fights. 
Uh, the first fight he fought extremely cautious, whereas in the second fight, we all knew that Stavern was there for a payday, and uh, Anthony, I, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder went in for the kill quickly. Um, I think that when he finally steps in with a real, you know, dominating heavyweight, which he's yet to do, I think we could really make the judgment then. Uh, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is Deontay Wilder is not a big heavyweight, really, mass-wise. Yeah, he's six foot seven. He's monster compared to me, but he weighs 220 pounds. I mean, consider that a two hundred that's twenty pounds more than than the biggest cruiserweight you could find. He's gotta build more of a basketball player, in my opinion. That's why I, I, I'm not so sure that his pop is as much as people think. I think I agree with Jonathan from the UK. What's your thoughts, Sal? Bill, I'll tell you, I look at I look at uh, uh Deontay Wilder as a as a big uh image or a uh, uh inflated image of a Tommy Hearns. And in on some level, Hearns had some great power, uh, but was exposed with his chin and some other things. But Tommy, Tommy, you can't deny he swung that right hand. It was like an iron gate closing on 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 someone's finger. And uh, Deontay Wilder does have power. He does have power. And one of my concerns, I'm going to tell you, with this fight against Anthony Joshua, if it takes place. You know, Anthony Joshua came into the ring with against uh, Takeum, who barely deserved to be there and survived till to, to, to when he was finally stopped and later in the fight. But you know, Anthony Joshua came in the ring heavier than he ever was, and uh, I don't know if that helped him or hurt him, but I think it hurt him, and I think he's going to probably be thirty or forty pounds heavier than Deontay Wilder who should be able to move and be a little more agile and be able to a little bit more uh, boxing and hitting him from the outside. I uh, I think Deontay Wilder does have legitimate power. It's from his delivery, his wide punches, his angles, and his snappingness with his his uh, hips and his waist. So he does have power. He's not as heavy-handed, but he does have the power to knock somebody out. You know, the funny thing, he definitely has the power to knock somebody out because he's knocked 38 of them out. Well, I'm telling um, you, I, he's got power. That's, but, but, uh, there's uh, but no he, ifs, ands, and buts. He's got the power to knock but, somebody out. But the truth but, of the matter is, is he hasn't fought any upper echelon fighter. And quite honestly... I don't think he could withstand a real heavyweight that a big a giant heavyweight of today like uh, AJ or or a Lennox Lewis or a Klitschko. I I just don't even Tyson Fury. I don't think so. He's got to get in a ring with one to prove it. You know. I mean, I gave him a lot of credit for what he did to Stavern in his last fight, only because he did what he was supposed to do. Made quick work of that fat pig. Anyway, we got a couple more emails here. I need to get in. This first one's from my man Mitch. He says, uh, everything uh, that I'm going to say below has to do with the WBC and its shenanigans. He says, Povetkin fought before his supposed suspension was lifted. He fought the guy whose neck they worked on in the ring for 45. That was, if, you, if you've never seen that, you guys got to go punch that up. That was the I freakiest believed. thing. He was getting physical therapy uh, in the ring, uh, and they let the fight continue. Uh, that was one of the most bizarre scenes I've ever seen, and he still couldn't finish this guy. when He fought with his neck cracked over for the 12 <laughs> rounds. He says, uh, now all of a sudden, or Ortiz has been reinstated. The two biggest threats to Deontay Wilder, both were suspended just long enough for him not to have to fight them. 
then they are both good to fight right after the fight. So what would happen in that short amount of time for the WBC to allow Ortiz to be reinstated? Did the WBC doctors ensure that it's safe for him to fight now? What's going on, Billy C? I have all the answers. In all the instances, Povetkin, Ortiz, and Stavern as the standby was a brown paper bag full of money exchanged hands. And guess what? Adonis Stevenson's fight got pushed back again, and he's still the WBC champion. He should be stripped. I'll sum... Oh, this is great. He says, I'll sum up all this BS in a song. Nine ice-cold scotches. Eight once punch knockout. Seven southpaw swinging. Six sexy ring cut girls. Five solid gold boxing glove chains. Four ringside seats. Three competent judges. Two boxing gloves. And my very own subscription to Talking Boxing with Billy C. Uh, thank I you. It. I love thank it. you, uh, Mitch, for uh, uh, reminiscing my uh, one of my Christmas tunes that I used to do. Uh, that was my favorite, actually. No, nah, my favorite was Twas the Night. But uh, anyway, one last email. This one's from my man uh, uh, Angel from Madison, Wisconsin. He says, Hola, Senor C. I would like to get your thoughts on Larry Holmes and how you and Sal think he would uh, have fared during the Ali Frazier era with his size, jab, durability, go 12 rounds, and his ability to go 12 rounds. And what is often overlooked is that he was always training uh, before fights and after fights. I often look at what uh, isn't talked about with Holmes and the fact that he was always in shape. He was also great at keeping focus and avoiding distractions outside the ring. And he's a family man who was family-oriented. I became a fan of Holmes right after he, the fight when he had with Cooney. When Cooney was introduced last instead of champ, the champion uh, for the introductions, I can only imagine how Holmes felt and that he was able to put that past him and fought on. Please, if possible, have... Uh, uh, Alex do a simulation with Holmes and the top heavyweights during the Ali Frazier years and thank you for the Tom Molino book I bought the book for my pops and he gave the book 5 out of 5 boxing gloves uh, as a rating well I appreciate that um, you know when you look at Larry Holmes uh, I, I was not a huge fan of Larry Holmes I got, I got to admit I, I really wasn't um, how he would have fared in the prime of that era. Remember, he was able to come in after. I don't know. I don't know. Ernie Shavers once told me that, uh, you know, Larry Holmes was a legit uh, Hall of Famer. Uh, and since then, my outlook has changed. As far as him always being in shape, I never thought so. I always thought he looked a little pudgy around the waist, but that didn't matter. He had a great jab. He had a, a great heart. He had a good chin. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's your thoughts, Sal? You know, it's so funny. I was not really a huge Larry Holmes fan. You know, I, I think part of it was because he was always crying that he was in Muhammad Ali's shadow. That's why he wasn't getting respect uh, after Ali, you know, was, was no longer fighting or no longer champion. But I do give Larry Holmes kudos, and I, and I legitimately like him. I think he's a good man. When I was with Richie Giacchetti, we used to go out to Phillipsburg. We used to train with Larry Holmes and go to his hotel, the Commodore. And he's a real nice guy. He's, he came to several of my fights, and his younger brother, Mark Holmes, was fighting on the same card as I was and, in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And, uh, Larry was always a gentleman. Uh, I liked him. I thought he was very, very skillful, and I thought he was a dominant world champion. And, of course, he was. Uh, so my respect and my level of appreciation for Larry Holmes has only increased over the years. 
and uh, uh, I think uh, I think he deserves his place in in the history books of uh, boxing as a heavyweight champion. Oh yeah, no, he's he's there. He's a Hall of Fame. He's legit. He's um, legit. As far as being introduced after Cooney, that was a similar situation uh, when you know the, the fight was uh, in Cooney's hometown. Um, he was the draw. People wanted to see Cooney. Uh, that's why they did that. I mean, and of course, keep, keep in and mind, boys and girls, that the champion used to be introduced first. Um, back uh, all the way up until, uh, really, all the way up until the seventies, the champion was out first in most of the big fights. If you go back and watch some of these fights on on YouTube or whatever, uh, you'll see that the champion is introduced first, uh, which is uh, interesting uh, considering how it's done today. Um, as far as uh, uh, Larry Holmes, clearly uh, an all-time great. It would have been interesting. The most important thing about fighters and their place in history from you know a historical perspective uh, and their accomplishments and why Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier uh, and, and you know Kenny Norton, all those guys are, are held in such high regard is because George Foreman is because they all fought each other. They had willing dance partners. That's what That's makes fighters great when they actually fight the fights and that, you know, they're memorable. Larry Holmes did not have uh, the fortunate uh, heavyweight division loaded uh, with talented fighters as Muhammad Ali did. He, unfortunately, was always remembered as the guy who de dethroned Ali. And a lot of uh, Ali fans uh, held that against him. And then while he was in the division leading and, you know, uh, basically controlling the division, the next big name that came around was Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson destroyed right. Larry Holmes. So, um, you know, it was unfortunate, but you can never criticize a fighter who fought everyone that was available to him, and Larry Holmes certainly did. Thanks for the email, Angel. Give your pops my best. I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan will give us his thoughts on the fights over the weekend. Don't go nowhere. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyZBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyZBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back. Billy's interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Uh, don't forget, it's the holidays already. That's right. Uh, this week is Thanksgiving. Uh, we will not be doing a uh, live show on Thanksgiving or the Friday after. Uh, but we will be back uh, all next week. And speaking of the holidays, don't forget, get a copy of my book. What makes a better gift than that? Nothing. Nothing. And if you're looking to get a whole bunch of books, mine specifically, email me, Billy at Talking Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Joining me right now with Sal is my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Mr. Calagero. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. No. Uh, no, never good. realized. Doing good. Never realized how much wood is in a cord. 
damn, this is a lot of wood. I, when when the, I was telling Sal, when, when the guy dumped it out of the truck and he drove away, I'm looking at this humongous pile and I go, damn, that's a lot of wood. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, let's talk about the fights from this weekend. Uh, Carl Frampton. Um, many people think uh, he struggled, even though he dominated on the scorecards. Uh, in his fight against uh, Garcia. What was your thoughts of the fight, and where do you think Frampton goes from here? You know, it was supposed to be a showcase fight. Um, let the public know after the Santa Cruz loss that he didn't lose anything, and, um, you know, just to re reintroduce himself, so to speak. Um, did he struggle a little bit? It seemed like it. It certainly did. Uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Uh, maybe it was a little bit of a psychological issue that happens when they uh, place a whole card around your comeback. And uh, maybe he just felt he needed to prove himself. You know, a lot of times we see when guys uh, go extra hard for that knockout, it's when it doesn't come. Uh, you know, as far as his opponent, you know, Horatio Garcia, he's been in with some good names. Uh, Jojo Diaz, um, he's been in, uh, you know, so, you know, it was a tough opponent uh, to look good against. So if that was their whole intent was just to make Carl Frampton look spectacular, you know, th they picked the wrong guy. But, uh, you know, as far as uh, Carl Frampton, where's he going next? I think, you know, uh, another fight maybe of this caliber, and then he's right back into the mix. Yeah, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be back in the mix. I mean, what do you think, Sal? No, I think he'd definitely get back in in the mix. I, I – uh... I think he's a good fighter. I think he's a solid fighter, but I think he's lost a step or two on some of his uh, his uh, his efforts. But uh, I think that he's still deserving of being up in that mix, and he'll he'll earn his way back. He just needs, as Dak suggested, all he does need is one other good fight like that, and he'll be talked about, and he'll be right back in the mix. Are we going to see another Leo Santa Cruz fight with him, Dax? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think so. I don't think it, uh, one, I don't think it's a big money fight for either one of them right now, uh, considering there's other business over in the UK. A lot of guys called out Carl Frampton after that, and uh, Leo Santa Cruz has his own business here, maybe a year or two down the road, but no time soon. I think that Lee, I, I think that uh, Carl Frampton would have to do some spectacular things in order to warrant the uh, Leo San another Leo Santa Cruz fight, and this wasn't really a spectacular performance. No, yeah. it wasn't. Um, I actually think that we might see the Scott Quigg rematch. Yeah, yeah, that's a good domestic fight. Um, also in that card, a guy that really flies under the way radar in Jerwin uh, Anasias. I, and I think uh, Anna, how do you pronounce that last name? Ancajas. Ancajas, yeah, I was close. There you go. Uh, I, I was close. <laughs> I got the first name right. Uh, um, he He's flying under the radar. And uh, he, he manhandled Jamie, Lee, Jamie Conlon. Uh, people forget that this was the guy that uh, uh, beat McJoe Arorio back in September of uh, last year to get the title. And he's continued uh, on a uh, win streak. What was your thoughts on this fight? Well, you know, this fight showed exactly how much Conlon has been coddled. No pun intended. But, uh, you know, Conlon, just until recently, he's been facing guys with 8-2 and 22-10 and, uh, and 10 records. Um, you know, he wasn't ready for a fight against a guy like uh, Jerwin. Yeah, you know, Conlon has some minor European titles. He's a good fighter, but he's never fought outside of Ireland or the U.K. Uh, the opponents uh, of Conlon prior to Saturday have allowed him to look good, and uh, we see that a lot. And when that happens, and because a uh, fighter's looking good and the promoter is making money and they're building them up, they don't raise that level of competition. Uh, Yerwin is a pressure fighter. He's a busy fighter. He's also a stranger to being the guy on the road and being the B-side even as a champion. Um, you know, Yerwin has been in with the higher level of competition, as you stated, like uh, McJoe Arroyo. Um, he's uh, been in camp with uh, Manny Pacquiao. He was actually on the undercard of the Manny Pacquiao and uh, Jeff Horn 
uh, card in July. Uh, he's fought in Macau. He's fought in China. He's fought in Australia. Conlon just didn't have the power to hurt um, uh, Yerwin. He wasn't ready for it. And, you know, it was a leap in class, maybe even three leaps in class for Conlon. He's a good fighter, but his promoter hasn't done him no uh, favors in terms of advancement. Where he goes from here, I'm not really sure. You know, it's almost like they're going to have to rebuild him. Uh, how much of his uh, confidence was taken away? You know, remember, Yerwin's only lost um, was in 2012. Uh, it was a majority decision. He's won 15 straight cents. Um, he fits in well with the guys like uh, Rungvisi, Juan Francisco Estrada, Kudras, uh, Anui. You know, th that division is hot. It's red hot, and there's been, you know, a couple other fights this weekend that even uh, raised the level of that. Um, you know, I, I, the the thing with uh, what you said about Conlon is so true, and, th and this is what I always say, Dax, that these guys, when they don't increase the level of opposition, this is what they get, right? Oh, I wanted that's to, what happened. See, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see Dax's comment while he was drinking the water. Then I would have been impressed. You know, well, this is what happened. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how it happened. At least he wasn't drinking Kool-Aid. No, at least he doesn't have a little mannequin there, and he starts going, "Here, for my next ring, I will drink this water and respond." <laughs> but I mean, this is why, yeah, right? Funny. I mean, if they increase the level of opposition, the guy is ready for a fight like this. Yes, but, you know, you, he, he would have needed two or three other fights to get him ready for something like this. You know, um, one of the biggest things which uh, in this sport, uh, we talk about world champions, the whole idea of being a world champion or a top 10 contender, you know, you have to fight around the world. Uh, you know, that domestic stuff, staying in that domestic area, you know, whether or not it's just your own country or your own continent, however you want to say, you know, that's only good for your first 10 or 11 fights. To be ready for this next stage, you have to be, you know, Especially, you know, at a guy like this, you know, you have to have uh, at least opponents who have, you know, been on that stage before. That's something Conlon clearly hasn't in the past. Um, another fight from uh, Saturday that, you know, it's a it's a why you're still doing a type of a fight. But Tomas Adamak um, struggled with uh, Fred Cassie, who's not very big. I don't know why they keep calling him big. He's not very big. And in my opinion, he struggled. I mean, one judge did score at 97-93, but the other two, uh, you know, had it extremely close. I, this fight could have went Cassie's way if it was any other place other than Poland. What was your thoughts? Well, remember, Admek was knocked out by Eric Molina not too long ago. Well, it was a fight or two ago. So, you know, he's definitely past his best. Um, he's just fighting to fight. Um, he's going to be a big draw in uh, Poland, so... That's what it is. You know, a lot of guys just have a hard time um, saying, you know, when it's time to hang them up. And that's the case with Thomas Adamak, in my opinion. Um, I'll tell you what, Zolani Teet on the uh, the undercard of the uh, the Frampton uh, fight, you know. Now, what a sensational knockout that was this weekend, huh? Yeah, uh, broke the uh, quickest uh, world title fight ending uh, yes. in history, uh, 11 seconds. Uh, a great point there. Um, there's another guy who goes under the radar, you know. He hasn't lost a fight in five years. That was a split decision to uh, uh, Roberto Sosa. Um, and that was at Super Flyway. Uh, he lost a majority decision to uh, uh, Juan Alberto uh, Rosa. Uh, Rosa. Um, that was 2012. That was, uh, again, that was at, um, another one, uh, you know. So, you know, he's had one stoppage loss, and that was uh, to Mathanley. That was in 2010. You know, this is a guy here who has power in the chem box. I would love to see him in there with, like, a Lewis Neary or uh, over in uh, the, the U.K. Uh, unified with the IBF WBA champion Ryan Burnett or something like that. That would definitely be something, you know, to raise both these guys' um, uh, profiles and help clean up these divisions. The problem with him is he, he's a South African fighter, and it's hard to uh, get him – to um, you know, hell, have the fights there, and and I I don't think there's a willingness of dance partners because of what you say. I mean, he's a real deal. 
He's like he maybe uh, Boudlar, uh, Hiki Boudlar, who finally lost. I mean, uh, you know, lost his belt. I mean, there was another dangerous fighter, smaller, uh, but you know, risk versus reward. You know, not a big enough name to get the big check, and too much of a risk to to just fight. And I think that that's what Zolani's problem is. Definitely, you know, definitely, and we see that a lot in the sport. You know, what about um? Did you watch Thursday's uh, Golden Boy Promotions card or Wednesday's Golden Boy Promotions card? Well, I, I, let's get to that in a second. I want to go to uh, the showcase card from Saturday with J Rock and uh, Lionel Thompson and and uh, Nabayer. Um, but first and foremost, I, Julian J Rock Williams, uh, his victory over arguably the most boring fighter. Uh, that ever laced on a pair of gloves aside from Floyd Mayweather and, and, uh, and Andre Ward, Ishii Smith. What do you take out of the win from J-Rock Williams uh, winning a uh, one-sided 10-round decision over Ishii Smith? Does that help Williams, and is that the end of Ishii Smith? I scored the fight for Smith. Did you really? I did. Counterpunching? No, no, just on the fact, you know what? Julian Williams was totally thrown off by the fact that, I think we all were, that Ishii Smith came out as the aggressor, number one. Um, you know, we, when have you ever really seen Ishii Smith as the aggressor? And I agree, Ishii Smith is a very boring fighter, and it has cost him in the past, uh, but he's a very good fighter. He's just, uh, uh, you know, all defensive-minded. But, you know, when he was uh, letting his hands go, uh, Julian Williams actually froze up. There was a few times he actually hurt Julian Williams. Um, but, you know, uh, Williams, he did land uh, the cleaner, the harder punches, maybe, you know, the ones that look uh, like they were doing a lot more. Um, you know, uh, Ishii Smith was landing more into combinations. Uh, nothing were like real eye-catching. So, you know, I think uh, he was actually outlanding Julian Williams. And uh, he was educating Williams. I think Williams, you know, he had no answers for it. He, uh, he came out there and he was uh, in his mind. He just thought he was going to knock Ishii Smith out. He even said that before the fight. And that was his goal. I gave Julian Williams rounds 2, 3, 4, and 8. I gave us Smith one, five, um, six, seven, nine, and ten. Uh, you know that that's how I had it. I had the score. Uh, tw- uh, I had it scored. Uh, fish um, on my card. I had a ninety-six, ninety-four for Smith. How they had ninety-nine, ninety-one, ninety-eight, ninety-two, and ninety-seven, ninety-three for Julian Williams was it was just uh, uh, absurd. Even if you gave Williams the fight on ninety-six, ninety-four, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. But those disparity in, in scores, you know, they were preposterous. They were embarrassing. Well, it was a PBC card, don't forget. And Lionel uh, uh, Thompson, uh, his win over Earl Newman, um, does that put him in any kind of a mix in the light heavyweight division? Stop. Really, I mean, um, he looked like garbage. He, did he ever look real good? I'll tell you what. He's looked better at least walking to the ring. I mean, he looked horrible. Again, those those scores were absurd. 97-91 twice and 96-92. I had a 95-93 in, in favor of Thompson. You know, the right guy won. But, you know, I gave Newman the first round. I thought uh, he outworked Thompson. Neither one of them really uh, did much that round, but at least Newman did try to uh, uh, initiate the fight. Um, Thompson won the second through the sixth easy, and he won. Um, he had those two 10-8 rounds. Um, he ran those last couple rounds. I mean, he literally ran. He didn't box and, and you know, uh, stick and move and just say, you know what, white pick chances. He literally ran. Earl Newman, he lacked experience. He didn't know how to hold um, when he was hurt. Um, he uh, he just didn't know how to cut off the ring. And, and that's really what uh, pretty much, in my opinion, won Lonnie Thompson the fight. If uh, Earl Newman was able to cut off that ring, and he actually pumped out that jab a little more. I think he would have won that fight. If anything, this fight uh, lowered the stock of Lonnie Thompson. Without the knockouts, you know, it probably would have been a draw. And, all, and also on that card, Tug uh, Nyambayer, 
uh, improved to nine and zero against uh, Hermanto uh, Della Torre. What was your thoughts on that one? Oh, what a fight that was! Right, Tuksak Neambar King Tug. That was, you know, again criminal score 79 73 78 73 twice in favor of king tug who i'm a big fan of i had it 76 75 in favor of tug but of course adelaide bird was in the mix you know so oh that equals, boy you know but um i had tug winning rounds one three six seven and eight delo tour rounds two four and five with that one round being a two-point round when he knocked Tug down in the second. I think Delator surprised him with his speed and the punching power. I don't think uh, uh, Tug really thought that uh, Delator had that much power. You know, it took a little time for Tug to adjust. Once he did, though, you know, those guys really went at it. You know, Delator slowed down a bit because of those body punches. Um, you know, at the end of there, that last round when he was really hurt, instead of going into survival and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to wait this out. What did he do? He sat there and he traded. Um, I know he's worked with Manny Pacquiao in some camps, and you can see a little bit of that Manny Pacquiao head movement and style in him um, as he's getting ready uh, to punch. You know, it was a great fight and it was actually the best fight on the card, in my opinion. And both those guys are two guys you need to keep an eye out on because another three or four fights, they're going to be, uh, you know, uh, definitely somebody that is dangerous in those divisions should be taken seriously. And uh, Friday night, uh, you know, uh, once again, you have uh, problems in the ring with uh, with the Durrell brother, this time Anthony Durrell. Um, uh, he beats uh, Doolin in, in a fight that had to go to the scorecards because of an unintentional headbutt. I got to be honest with you, Dax. I'm not so sure that I justified that the uh, point deducted was justified, and those scores were extremely close. I'm wondering if they made it like the fight had to go to the scorecards or not. 49, 46, 48, 47, twice. Uh, did uh, Durrell, in your opinion, um, beat uh, Doolin in those six rounds. Could it have gone on? Would the result been different? One thing you got to say about the Durrell brothers, they're reliable. You can rely on them to lose heart. You can rely on them for some sort of incident caused by either themselves or by the circle. Of course, unless things are going their way. Uh, you talk about the cut. We, speak, we spoke about Ishe Smith and uh, Julian Williams. Look at the cuts on Ishe Smith. You should see what that cut looked like the next day. It must have been a good inch wide and about uh, an inch and a half long. Ishe Smith had three cuts uh, that were by butts, accidental, but you know what? He never at one point in time said, I don't want to fight on no more. Um, Darrell, what's he do? Uh, I can't see. But as soon as that referee stopped that, all of a sudden that, uh, that bleeding went away. You know, we... Maybe it was a miracle. I don't know what happened. You know, who knows what kind of power these Durrells have. You know, all they can say is that um, I just, you know, this this is how the Durrell fights are going to go. They always have one. If their opponent walks in, they get tapped. They go down, go boom. The Durrell brother loves it. Anything after that, they want no part of it. You know, um, I always thought that Anthony actually was a different cut than his brother Andre. But, you know, they're both quitters. Uh, they'll both do anything they can to win. Neither one of them have any heart. It takes heart to step inside that ring. But, again, you know, if it's not going their way, then they're going to figure out a way to get out of that. And that's exactly what they do. As a matter wow. of fact, they've actually mastered it. And finally, Dax, what, what was your thoughts on the Thursday night, the Golden Boy uh, card? Uh, you, you had some uh, comments you wanted to make on that. Oh, I thought that was a great card. I thought that was I thought that was really good matchmaking. You know, the prospects now, in the case of uh, uh, Jose Martinez, a uh, contender, they really uh, stepped up their level of competition. They set the tone for 2018. Um, you know, they uh, they all 
kind of uh, put out a uh, keep your eyes open because you're going to be seeing more of me soon. Uh, you know, Alexis uh, Roja, you know, his uh, first round knockout of, over uh, Salgudo and uh, Virgil Ortiz over uh, Cavallaro. Uh, you know, so I thought they all that was, you know, very exciting. And uh, Jose Martinez, again, here's another guy who's entering that super flyweight uh, division now with that WBO NABO title. So, you know, that again just raises that uh, division standard. So, you know, I think that was the perfectly matched card for guys of that level. You know, we're speaking about Jamie Conlon on how um, his level of competition didn't uh, prepare him for a urine win. You know, these were the type of fights and that type of card that prepares these young fighters for that level and that next step. Um, Dax, before we let you go, I'm, I'm going to bring you, uh, get your thoughts, and, and Sal and I haven't talked about this yet, so uh, we'll, I'll get both of your thoughts at the same time. Um, apparently, last week, uh, Oscar De La Hoya was uh, doing an interview and he was quoted as calling out, officially calling out Conor McGregor uh, in a fight, uh, claiming that he would not only beat McGregor, he would knock him out in two rounds. Uh, what's your thoughts on A, Oscar even calling out McGregor, and B, um, would the fight be of interest to anyone? Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Sal. Me? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, as much as I really do not care to ever see Conor McGregor fight again, and I'm sorry, I'm just not an MMA fan, uh, and I'm not a big Conor McGregor fan. Uh, I think he's a little too crude. But uh, I think that uh, it would get me curious uh, to look at it, and I'd like to see De La Hoya beat the heck out of him. Uh, I'd like to see De La Hoya knock him out. Uh, I think De La Hoya was a great fighter and uh, I think uh, if he wants to get back in the ring uh, make some money like Mayweather or make uh, make a little bit less I, I don't know uh, I don't really care to see uh, him come back and fight anybody else I don't know but uh, I'd be interested I would be interested it could be a it could be an interesting fight and I think it could sell uh, but uh, I think I think he could beat him too hey, I Dad. think anybody any boxer I don't care if he's been out. I think Conor McGregor is very limited in his ring skill ability, so I think he could beat him. Hey, Dax, uh, Golden Boy's forty-four years old. Um, for some reason, he's, a kid. He's, he's some for some reason he's having a hard time letting go of uh, uh, you know his inside the ring, especially when it seems like he's got enough juice. I, I I'm looking at this as uh, you know. I don't even care about this, but my question to you is, first and foremost, what's your thoughts of it, uh, about the, him calling him out? Was it for real? Could he beat him in two rounds? And then I want to sprinkle in the other aspect, where many people believe that Floyd Mayweather carried McGregor um, in those early rounds uh, with the hopes that they could somehow uh, con the public into a rematch. What's your thoughts on all those uh, issues? Well, first, uh, we'll go with the Floyd Mayweather uh, issue. No, I don't believe that he was trying to con the public into a rematch, but I do believe he carried um, McGregor those rounds because, you know, for the reason that, listen, I, you know, these guys got to get something for their money. Uh, you know, uh, he already knew the criticism that was going into that fight. So, you know, to, to carry him, make him look a little bit good. You know, and Floyd Mayweather is not the first guy to ever do that. So let's not pretend we've seen that uh, with champions dating back, you know, for 100 years. But as far as Oscar De La Hoya, what a hypocrite. All the criticism and the talk and the bashing he's done uh, to uh, against uh, Floyd and Conor McGregor and Dana White leading up to that. And this is what he comes out and does. But, you know, Oscar De La Hoya... 
despite when he was a fighter, like uh, Sal said, I was a big fan. Oscar De La Hoya, love him or hate him, one thing you have to say, whether he won or he lost, he always made sure that he fought the best guys, and he was always the A-side, and he always made, you know, he could have took the easier fights, but he won the very best competition available, but, you know, you definitely see the promoter side of him uh, when it comes to Canelo or where it comes to something like this, because, you know, the money is, uh, you know, that comes first and foremost. You know, it's embarrassing that uh, he would even uh, suggest this, and especially if he follows through with this, you know, I, I'd be greatly disappointed in him. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> as for Conor McGregor, let me tell you what, you know, that would end his career. He loses to Oscar De La Hoya. Forget the fact that De La Hoya has yeah. been off for a couple of years, but you know what? You're a guy who, uh, who, uh, prides himself in, um, your trash talk, you know, you pride yourself in your warrior style in MMA, and then you're losing to a guy, uh, 44 years old who is a drug addict and he wears female underwear. Yeah, but, I was but, gonna, I didn't but, want to go but, there. But the, Zach, but the but beauty, but the beauty of the fight, the, the beauty of the fight would be the fact that um, you know Conor McGregor's never claimed to be a boxer. So I mean, that's even if he lost, you know, he could always fall fall back on that, don't you think? Yes, he can. I mean, I'm I'm just uh, being a wise guy, but uh, yeah, he's he's you know it's really just for the money, you know. Um, you know, these guys want to impress me, even whether it comes to Oscar Floyd or anybody else, especially Paulie Malinagi, who has seemed to make a second career out of just talking about Conor McGregor nonstop on Twitter. You know, uh, if you ever have a day off, you know, you're sick or something, just put on a Twitter feed and just watch how many posts from Paulie Malinagi come out, and it's pretty much the same thing over and over and over again all day. Where's the video? Somebody show the video of me and him sparring, and then you'll see what really happened. Uh, you know, you know what, guys, why don't you you go into an MMA ring. Hey, you know what? If you beat him inside an MMA cage, uh, more power to you. But why don't you at least go in there instead of uh, wanting him to come into your comfort zone? Um, Heather Hardy and um, Holly Holm, they when they made that transition. Um, uh, you know, other guys like uh, Ray Mercer, when he was uh, retired, he made that transition. They stepped over there. So what about these guys, you know, or do you just not have the heart that these other people do? You know, um, Oscar De La Hoya wears female underwear, but maybe he doesn't have the heart of some of these lady champions. <laughs> Great point, Dax. We appreciate your uh, thoughts, and we'll, uh, we'll look forward to you next time, all right? All right, and uh, you before you wanted to know uh, about the uh, the paycheck for um, yes. uh, um, Charles Martin, you know, he got six quid or 8.5 U.S. million dollars uh, for his fight against uh, Anthony Joshua, and that's all that supposedly uh, Team Joshua had offered uh, Joseph Parker. And as far as the, um, the resumes go, next time we come on, I have to argue which is there, you know, the... Anthony Joshua, other than Vladimir Klitschko and Dillian White, his resume is no better than um, Deontay Wilder's. And when you look deeper into Joseph Parker's resume, he might actually have the best resume of the three because they have a lot of common opponents, and he fought a lot of these guys beforehand. All righty, then. Have a great day. If, if anything, have, Andy Ruiz Jr. is better than almost everybody on either one of their resume. Have a great Thanksgiving, Dax. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take, take care, Dax. Uh... Given uh, hmm, saying that, uh, ah, well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to say one more thing before we take a quick break, Sal. And the WBA uh, has ordered uh, uh, not one, not two, but three uh, big fights that uh, uh, need to uh, uh, be made, uh, first and foremost, in the super lightweight division or junior welterweight division, however you want to look at. Rancis Bartholomew, 26-0. Uh, and uh, Kyriel Relik uh, are uh, uh, a title uh, fight that has to be made. Um, both of uh, uh, these guys uh, have 30 days to negotiate uh, starting uh, already uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago. So uh, they have until uh, the end of, well, I guess about the beginning of December, December 6th, 
Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens uh, in that division. Sal, we're going to take a short break right now. And uh, when we come back, we got, uh, well, we got uh, an in- interesting question that we will uh, be asking uh, all of you. So don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. That was a quick break. Uh, I mean, uh, that uh, I don't know what happened with all the uh, spots, but uh, uh, it came back. Uh, good thing I didn't have to run away. Good thing you were still here too, Sal. It's a good I thing sure you, you know. <laughs> I, I definitely no refill of coffee. Yeah, no or refill of coffee for you there. Huh? That was. A, I don't know what happened. I think I might have hit the wrong button. It's been a little while, you know. We take a couple of days off, and it's like, oh, what the hell happened? But uh, <laughs> anyway, we got a trivia question. That's a tough, tough question, um, and I was a little, uh, uh, I was a little surprised because of uh, all of the search capabilities, and that guy, what's his name, uh, Google, uh, you know, and and you know, I, I think he's related to Doppler. Who who is this Doppler character anyway? But uh, uh, anyway, um, the question is, and if they're the, if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. Now, this is the same copy of the game that Alex Papali uses for our Blast from the Past, which, incidentally, this Wednesday features Tony the Tiger Lopez. So make sure you tune into that. Here's the question. I am in the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and I once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers so in english that means four fights in a row against two guys right i am in the international boxing hall of fame and i once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers who am i if you're the first one to email me the correct answer billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com you'll win uh the prize and uh sal um this is a good one, and I know you've already answered your question, uh, but somebody, I'm trying to remember, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I asked uh, uh, a question. I, I said, hey, what, what's your thoughts on this? And uh, I think it was Jeremy, and Jeremy comes back, he goes, Jack Dempsey? I go, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you doing? What are you doing, <laughs> man? You know? But uh, it was pretty funny. Anyway, I am in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. And I once lost four consecutive fights against two brothers. Who am I? If you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. You'll win the prize. So uh, good luck on that one. And finally, on this day, uh, November 20th in boxing history, in 1942, Willie Pep wins a 15-round decision over Chalky Wright. Uh, to win the world featherweight title, and that took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. On this day in 1931, Tony Canzanori wins a 15-round split decision over Kid Chocolat. 
uh, to retain his world lightweight and junior welterweight titles. And that, too, took place at Madison Square Garden wow. in New York City. On this day in 1936, Jimmy McLarnon wins a 10-round decision over Lou Ambers in his final fight of his career, uh, which took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City. Uh, he finished his career with a 55 with 21 wins coming by knockout, 11 losses, and three draws. Uh, Jimmy McLarnon is a Hall of Famer. On this day in 1993, Orlando Canizales wins a 12-round decision over Juvenile Barrio to retain his IBF World Bantamweight title and took place in South Africa. And finally, on this day, November 20th in 1991, Gerald McLennan knocks out John the Beast Mugabe in the very first round to win the vacant WBA World Middleweight title, and that took place uh, at the Royal Albert Hall in London on this day, November 20th in 1991. Yes, sir. Yes, I, I just have to add one more day in history. On this day, I want to wish a happy birthday to Kayla. It's her birthday today. Oh, happy birthday to Kayla. Tell her, yeah. tell her I said happy birthday, man. I will. She's listening to the show, so I just thought we'd say happy birthday to Kayla. Oh, good. You didn't want to get in trouble. In other words, no. you didn't want to get in trouble. Hey, <laughs> no. Kayla. I miss you, Kayla. When am I going to see you again? <laughs> happy birthday. Anyway, By the way. hey, don't forget to tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. Da na 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 na